With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Almond in the Morning, and this is Jamie the OG. That's right, Jamie OG Almond. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening to the show. And man, there's so much to celebrate about the brand new control of the U.S. House uh, by the Republicans and, of course, also by some of the actions of none other than Kevin McCarthy and uh, some of these other great Republicans out there who decided it would be a great idea to have one of our own dudes, one of our own guys, and one of my favorites, Congressman Jason Smith, chairman now, uh, the new chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, one of the most powerful, if not the most powerful committee in Congress. Congressman Smith, congratulations. Welcome to the show. Great to talk to you. Thanks, Jamie. It's a, it's a pleasure to connect with you, and I appreciate it. We're, we're really excited. Yesterday was three weeks to the day that uh, we were named chairman, and it's, it's a great opportunity for our state, and hopefully we can do some great things for this nation. Yes, and, and it was, it's so good. I mean, you come from your district is, I, I said it was like 80% make America great again voters, but I think the number might be a little higher. Is that correct? You bet it is. We believe in America first, and that is what we stand for. And it it is such an honor, Jamie, to represent my home, you know, an area that where my family goes back seven generations. I can show you my congressional district where my four times great-grandparents are buried. So to be able to fight for my district in the halls of of Congress and for our entire state, it's just a great opportunity. Well, I'll tell you, and one of the things uh, uh, that I think your youth brings to the table, to the chairmanship of the House Ways and Means Committee, before we get to the debt ceiling, other things, you actually have a brand new plan. I mean, it's not, I've never heard of it before. And that is the concept of the field hearing. Absolutely. You know, the whole time, Jamie, that I have been on the Ways and Means Committee, there has never been a field hearing. And I am so tired of the the wealthy and the people that are politically connected being the ones that's roaming the halls up here and crafting and drafting the policies when everyday working class Americans and small business owners and farmers are overlooked because they are just taking care of business at home. They're providing for their families and they're just getting by. So I want to go to where they are. So they have an opportunity to come before the committee and talk to us and share with us with issues that they have when it comes to tax or trade or health care or welfare programs or labor shortages, whatever it is. And let us get the solutions from them and let's build the policy. And that's what we need to we need to push. I told everyone before I took this chairmanship, I was like, we are the party of the working class. The Republican Party has to figure it out. And I am a product of the working class. I represent a congressional district that is a 100% example of the working class. Our priorities and our policies have to reflect that in what we pass as a Republican majority. 
Wow, that is that is so refreshing and exactly what we uh, have been looking for from uh, our government, from our Congress. And so your first one is in West Virginia, and then you're just going to try to kind of travel around the, the country. Absolutely. The first one is in West Virginia. It's on the state of America's on, uh, economy. Appalachia is the title. And we have small business owners, farmers. We have um working class family, we have coal miners, all types of folks that's talking to us about issues that they're facing and how they should be fixed. And and we're going to have them all over the country on different issues. And and I felt like Appalachia is so similar to the Ozarks that I have the opportunity to live in and to represent. And a lot of the issues that are affected in the Ozarks right right at home are the same issues in Appalachia, and I thought that that was an important place to do the first one. Boy, that is true, uh, with the exception of maybe the coal production, but I've been there, uh, that whole area, West Virginia is beautiful, really great people, and the coal industry has been just gutted, unfortunately. Now, people who's, uh, you talk about forefathers who used to work in coal mines and do all that kind of stuff, now the kids are working at Walmart uh, and the coal mines are closed. But uh, eventually, you know, when it comes to farming and other economic development issues, you know, where I think I think whether you're in Appalachia or like you say, in the Ozarks or whatever, our our desires are the same. I, you could you could travel all over the country and really in the end meet the same kind of people you could even find in California, the, the, the farmers and the rural people and all those people who need need help and, and need our government to get it right. Jamie, it's absolutely amazing. This last year, I traveled to 42 states and 74 congressional districts campaigning to fire Speaker Pelosi. That was my number one mission. And going to congressional districts, whether it was Rhode Island, whether it was Oregon, whether it was California, New York, or West Virginia, campaigning, we're all very similar. We are all so very similar. We have the same values. We've been affected by horrible trade policies that have shipped our jobs overseas, that has emboldened China. We have all been affected by tax breaks for these huge corporations that have shed their American identity, and they have now become beholden to China. We need people that's going to shed light on that, and we need to push policies that push back on that. And Republicans have learned how to fight by President Trump. This is our time to fight. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm, I'm so excited, and it's it's so refreshing, and there's just such new blood coming from you that you're infusing into the House Ways and Means Committee. Normally, you know, always associated more with like a stuffy type of operation. I don't know whether you might you might even be the youngest House Ways and Means chairman ever. I don't know. I haven't really logged that. Uh, but you are also going to be tackling uh, the debt ceiling and, and other issues related to, obviously, you know, our budget, which is out of control. You know, uh, the House Ways and Means Committee has always been a committee that um, has been well, it's the only committee that's mentioned in the Constitution. And it's a committee that has sole jurisdiction over all taxes, no tax increase or tax decrease can happen without coming through the House. Ways and Means Committee, not the Senate. It has to come out of the House. So that's all vested by the Constitution. So it's an extremely important committee. And I had no idea. I was one of the youngest, and they have told me that I'm the youngest since the Civil War, <laughs> which is which is crazy. But you know what? We need new blood. I want to turn the Ways and Means Committee into the People's Committee. 
That is my focus, making sure that our priorities are delivering for working class families, small businesses, and farmers. We have a lot of tasks in front of us. The debt ceiling increase is one that's right before us. It looks like that it has to be addressed by by June. Speaker McCarthy is actually meeting with President Biden today to discuss the the debt ceiling. President Biden said a couple weeks ago, I'm not going to negotiate. You have to pass a debt ceiling increase just just plain. That's not how it works. In fact, when he was vice president in 2011, they passed what was called a CAPS agreement, where the Republicans controlled the Democrats controlled the Senate, and of course Obama and Biden were in the White House, and we got a CAPS agreement that saved $2.1 trillion over 10 years. We need to address our reckless spending. We got to deliver something. Yeah, wow. I, I Honestly, uh, Congressman Jason Smith, uh, just hearing this moment in time where I'm like feeling the entire transformation of the House Ways and Means Committee into, as you say, a uh, people's committee. Uh, that is amazing. This idea of having these field hearings really, I hope it gets as much coverage as possible because it's really an important uh, progression uh, of our government and how our government interacts uh, with the people. And I'm just really happy for you, happy for this country, happy for Missouri. And we'll be watching, and you're welcome anytime. Uh, but again, congratulations on the new chairmanship, and uh, really, really happy to hear all of the changes and all of the things you're talking about. Really appreciate that. Thanks, Jamie. It's it's always great to connect with you, my friend. Yes, sir. Uh, Congressman Jason Smith, thank you very much. Appreciate your time, my friend. Take care. All right. That is uh, that's amazing. I I think this this I and I I didn't want to get into it with McCarthy and the Patriot 20. I don't want to regenerate that argument, but uh, in my opinion, Congressman Smith is an outgrowth of that conflict that took place three weeks ago when the Make America Great Again Patriot 20 told Kevin McCarthy, this is not going to be the Republican Party that you might think it is. Uh, this is going to be a brand new approach to spending, approach to communicating with our people. Uh, and I believe that Jason Smith is an outgrowth of that conflict. I'm not saying he wouldn't be without it. So I want to give him all the credit that he actually deserves from all this. But you can tell, I mean, instantaneously, the House Ways and Means Committee now is setting up a table in West Virginia. And uh, countless other cities that we'll be keeping you abreast of, and maybe even here, obviously, he's going to probably do it here in Missouri as well. Uh, that's a big development. That's a big development. That, that's, that's refreshing. Makes me so happy. Makes me almost giddy. And, and uh, certainly, I have felt good from the very beginning once McCarthy had his, you know, his, well, once they muscled him. And transformed him. And I think this is a great development. Your phone calls are welcome on this if you want. 314 566 6104. Well, we are monitoring Pugsatani Phil there in Gobbler's Ditch or Notch, whatever it is. 
Oh, Lordy, this thing, I talked about it a little bit earlier, but I will have to tell you. Good morning this morning, Allman in the morning. Jamie Allman here for you, only for you. But I will tell you that this uh, Groundhog Day deal is so bizarre because when you look at the facts, and I don't mean to be a spoiled sport about this. I, I, don't, I don't mean to, you know, kind of act like this is nothing. I'm, I'm not a prude. I'm not, I'm not a killjoy or anything like that. But you realize there are like te- thousands of people there. It's like a town of like uh, 600 or something like that. There are thousands of people in this town waiting to see whether or not the groundhog Puxatawney Phil is going to see his shadow as supposedly a bellwether for the rest of the winter and, and how that's all going to work out. And it'd be different if Puxy Tawny Phil's averages were something that you're like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, he, he's he been correct, and, and it's, a, it's, a real, uh, it's a real bellwether. It's a real barometer of, of, of what the weather's going to be like. But then you boil it down, it's like, oh, he's only been right 40% of the time. Uh, as an accurate predictor of the future of winter, like 40% of the time. And so at that point, you're kind of like, wow, all these people like in tuxedos and top hats and it's Puxatawney Phil and it's like all this stuff intense. I mean, let me put it this way. I don't know about you, and maybe you can call me if it's a trip that you have taken before at 314-566-6104. I... Uh, I if you've been there, like, I don't know what I would do. Like, if there are thousands of people there, and supposedly, presumably, like, there's this little area there where Phil is. Like, he's in some kind of, like, a hole or something like that or a den or whatever. Like a tree stump or something? Yeah, they bring him something out of. like that. I don't know. But <laughs> but, but, but if there are thousands of people there, there's, there's only, like, a little bit of area there where you can actually see. It's kind of like it's like kind of like thousands of people going to the ninth hole at Pebble Beach. I mean, there's only going to be a certain number of people that are going to see somebody putt on that green. <laughs> but the rest of the people are all like kind of like hanging around, you know, gobbler's notch or whatever it is, and and you know having breakfast or doing whatever. I guess it's just kind of a thing, and and it is a thing. So I don't want to take away from that. But I didn't realize that that. The, the groundhog was 40% right. And as many of you are pointing out, Laura pointed out that uh, Phil is still better than our current weather people. And I would say that that is absolutely true. And keep in mind, there are more than a few thousand people watching the weatherman every night on television. And that weatherman might as well be a groundhog, I guess. I don't know, because... Uh, Puxitani is only 40% right. So, Alex, just if you can just monitor that. I think it's supposed to happen, like, right now. So I, I think I think right now is the, this is the time. Uh, I, I don't know whether people are doing it live or what have you. St. Corrine had a little bit of a difficult row yesterday. Uh, Ed O'Keefe with CBS, and they kept on peppering with their questions. But the main question was, hey, would the White House have revealed the search of Biden's home today, and that was yesterday, uh, if pool cameras hadn't caught the investigators arriving on the scene. So basically what happened is there was like a there's like a pool camera that operates, and the pool camera basically is so that you don't have 10 cameras 
around. It's only one camera, and the video is used by all the networks, and that's what, what the pool camera is. And they were just hanging out and just stumbled upon the raid. Or I, it's not really a raid. It's only a raid if it's Donald Trump. It was a, it was a search. It was a nice little polite search of the property. Would the White House have revealed today's search if pool cameras hadn't caught the investigators arriving on scene? Again, this is a, a question for the White House Counsel's Office. I would refer you to them. Uh, and that's not a question for the White House Counsel's Office. Uh, that's a hypothetical ca- question that Ed O'Keefe is asking, and that's not a question for the White House counsel. I mean, in fact, in fact, we see a lot of this going on where she just keeps on talking about the White House counsel's office, and these are basic questions. But, but that's, that, that's not a question for the White House counsel's office. Uh, Kareem, what is the current number of documents bearing classified markings that have been found in the president's residences and offices? Okay, and this question is from the Reuters news guy, and he says, uh, what is the current number of documents bearing classified markings found in Biden's residences and offices? I would refer you to the White House counsel's office. Okay. Ian just declined to comment on that as well. Just, um, there you uh, go. You got the answer. Yeah. So uh, the White House counsel's office, of course, declined to comment. But there actually is really no reason... Uh, people accept it as an answer from St. Corrine, but people, there, there is no real reason why you would have to refer that question to the White House Counsel's Office. Why doesn't St. Corrine have that in the, in the, in the method? When they talk about transparency, why isn't that part of the transparency by saying how many documents were there? She should be able to answer that. That's not a question for the White House Counsel's Office. Following up on that, I understand you're not going to discuss the details or anything, but just is there a reason that two of the searches were disclosed and not the search of the Penn Biden Center? You mentioned this is a legal process. Is there a legal reason why you're disclosing only two and not what we know is a third search? I'm, again, I'm going to refer you to the White House Counsel's Office. I mean, this is just cowardly. Uh, and, and, and it's unacceptable. It's not transparent. It's completely inauthentic, and most people, I guess, out in the public buy this idea that you have to refer everything to the so White House Counsel's Office. Ian Sam's outside when he um, took our questions earlier. I want to ask of you, though, because I think it is for the wider White House, not just the Special Counsel's Office, which is, did anyone at the White House tell the National Archives at any point not to issue a press release about the discovery of classified documents? I would, I would really refer you to the White House Counsel's Office, who has been running this process, right. and refer you even to them. It, even if it's something that's not just in their purview, it would be wider within the entire I White House? Because this is, when it re- when it relates to the DOJ, when it relates to special counsel, this is something that's been under their purview. So yeah, I this is that. this is just a way to keep St. Corrine from having to answer questions. And it's a cover up is what it is. There's no legit reason why there has to be some referral to the White House counsel's office on any of these questions asked. Hey, good morning, everyone, and happy Thursday to all of you. The Gateway Pundit joining us just a little bit later on. Might have a drop-in with the uh, sinister 
crazy markation. We'll see how that goes. It depends on what kind of mood I'm in. This is Allman in the Morning. It's Common Sense Radio. You're with the OG. As always, Jamie Allman, thank you, everybody, for hanging out. And, man, how the mighty have fallen and how the ones you didn't expect have risen. Yeah. Greg Gutfeld is now complete and total king of late-night television and even taking over CNN and MSNBC on that score. And all those talk shows, all those other things, uh, absolutely just going by the wayside. It's a Greg Gutfeld show. Tells you a lot. Tells you a lot about the mood of the country. I think that, more than anything, uh, tells you a lot about the mood of the country. In the meantime, we've got Jimmy Kimmel, who had Mike Lindell on the show. Lindell was was actually a, a gamer on this one. I, I thought he was, you know, I, 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 I sensed that the audience actually really warmed to him for some reason. I don't know why. So he's on Kimmel's show, and Jimmy Kimmel was a little more passive-aggressive with Mike Lindell on the show. Uh, Lindell is one of those guys who, you know, I can, I can, I can really appreciate because he's authentic. He is who he is, and you and and you can make fun of him and do all that kind of stuff, and you you actually can because he actually is kind of a funny guy, and, and and he's got all these kinds of of things about his personality and his look and everything else. That some might find, I guess, cringeworthy or what have you, but others find charming. I happen to find it charming. I mean, I, you know, he, I have, <laughs> he's a guy, and, and, and again, he is who he is, and I'd rather have people who are who they are than trying to be people who uh, are not who they are. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Lindell does the, his commercials, you know, he wears like his cross. You know, like outside of his tie, you know, and people are going, "Oh, look at this!" You know, he's just trying to be, but but it's his it's his thing, and and he, and I've never I've never seen a guy. And I've actually interviewed him a couple of times. I've never seen a guy who really, absolutely is, absolutely confident in his own skin, absolutely, and and not in a way that makes him arrogant or capricious or boastful or whatever. He's just confident in his own skin. And as much crap as this guy has taken, I mean, look what happened with Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, and, and, and I'm, I'm so happy about their demise. I, I don't want anybody to lose their jobs, as you know. But Bed Bath & Beyond said, you know, we're not going to sell my pillow now, and we're not going to do any of this. And guess what? A year later... Bed Bath & Beyond is basically bankrupt. Uh, because let me tell you something. I, I was I shopped at Bed Bath & Beyond. I take that little 20% coupon they'd send in the in the mail. I, I went there uh and, and never went again. And you know, the only thing that kept them afloat were all the people who went out to Bed Bath & Beyond during COVID when they had to do all their Zoom interviews and they just uh, had to had to create an interesting background because their home was boring, so they had to go and find some fancy painting or a, or a bookshelf or something that they had to put behind them for the Zoom calls. But that was the only thing that kept them afloat. They would have died even earlier than that. So anyway, imagine Jimmy Kimmel says, because Jimmy Kimmel is such 
a passive-aggressive, bullying jerk. He thinks it's going to be funny to have uh, Mike Lindell inside an arcade claw machine for no reason. Uh, and and Jimmy Kimmel asked him to be inside the machine to do the interview. And guess what Mike Lindell said? Okay. Sure. All the colorful, unhinged characters who've come to prominence in the political era of Donald Trump. Our next guest is probably the most enthusiastic to help him overcome his debilitating fear of machines. We have installed him inside a claw machine for his interview tonight. Joining and this was supposed to be funny because Mike Lindell is the leading doubter of the efficacy of voting machines. And so they've decided to put him in a, to a arcade claw machine, which is, does it make any sense? But Kimmel and his crew, I guess, think that's funny because they think it's humiliating. And it was far from humiliating for Mike Lindell. Now, from the corner of Donkey Kong and Qbert, the My Pillow guy, Mike Lindell. Hello, Mike. Jimmy Crumble, is that you? It's I, me. I think, I think most people actually like him. Uh, they buy his products. They sure as heck buy his products, the my pillows and uh, all the all the sheets and those kinds of things. And by this response, it seems like people are like, "Oh yeah, there's there's the my pillow guy, yay!" <laughs> <laughs> well, Mike, first question, Mike, is why do you think people don't take you seriously? <laughs> well, I, you know, I want to tell you this, Jimmy. Remember, okay. when we were kids and uh, we questioned these carnival games whether they were rigged or not. Yeah, right. But when, but when we spoke up back then, we didn't get sued, did we? No, that's right. Yeah, hey. I mean, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a really good point. I mean, there's a little kid, of course, right in front of him, so it's a little distracting. But Lindell is, is saying, hey, uh, by the way, you know, we knew those carnival machines were rigged. I one time did a whole story for KMOV. I did, a, I did an investigative report on carnival machines. And and it was pretty astounding just how absolutely uh, fake uh, that they, they are, and certainly this claw thing is like crazy. But Lindell was really good, uh, not only a good sport, but I think the segment didn't exactly turn out the way Jimmy Kimmel expected it to turn out. Mike, get rid of that kid. Will you give him a toy or something? Uh, like be be beginning, by the way, with the reception of when he interviewed when he introduced Mike Lindell. Uh, the entire crowd was like, "Whoa!" Daddy, you go. You got a winner. It's a big game. It's a big game. It's a big game. <laughs> Mike, I know that you're distrustful of machines. Now that you're inside one, do you feel differently? No, same thing. There's uh, there are computers can be rigged out there. Yeah, absolutely, in elections, you know that. Did you ask Donald Trump uh, whether you should do this or not? Do you run this sort of thing by him? No, I didn't, Jimmy. I did this all on my own. I wanted to be on your show. You, you, you know, you kept telling me to come on, but you, you know, I seen the monologue there. You said it's because to put me in here because I was wasn't vaccinated. You tricked me. You did it to be funny, huh? Yeah, no, I didn't. No, I didn't want you in there because you weren't vaccinated. I don't know. <laughs> to be honest, I don't even remember why I decided you should be in there. Just, <laughs> no, you said it on your show. It seemed like a good idea when it happened. I have to say, I was very surprised when you said. You would do it, but, you know, I put it out there, and so you said yes, so, yeah. I, you know, I'm You, you know, why, you know why Jimmy Kimmel wanted him in that machine, don't you? Because if Mike Lindell were sitting next to him on the set, Lindell would have obliterated the guy just with his charm and with his directiveness. 
So you know the psychology behind what Kimmel was doing there was he had to create kind of an objectifying and demeaning positioning of Mike Lindell. Because as you, as you see, Mike Lindell, even inside this ridiculous machine, was actually making sense. And, and, and the audience was clearly charmed by him. Jimmy Kimmel is kind of a jerk, right? But he's smart enough to see when a guy who uh, he's going to try to say is unhinged is crazy, uh, uh, but but he knows that Lindell is also very charming, direct. Uh, he has many defensible points of view uh, that cannot be hit by Kimmel. So Kimmel had to put him into some kind of objectifying setup so so that there was a level of dominance on the part of Kimmel that was actually manufactured by the position of, of, of Mike Lindell. So Kimmel was trying to create uh, a, a one-upsmanship, uh, which was clearly artificial, because he knew if they were on an even playing field, Lindell would have charmed the pants off of and the pillows out of the audience there. That's, that's, that's why he did it. So last week, Mike, you uh, actually during the weekend, you you ran for chairman of the Republican National Committee. Yeah. So we're going to get to Mike Lindell's answer on that uh, after this break. And and it, it, this this segment actually was great for Mike Lindell and really bad for Jimmy Kimmel. And Lindell was so smart. And his instincts were so great. He's like, I don't care where you put me. I just want to be on the Jimmy Kimmel show. That's the spirit. That's why Mike Lindell is so successful. He doesn't care. He, he takes chances. He gets out there, and he knows how to promote his brand and promote his ideas. And he did using Jimmy Kimmel, Kimmel's show, even though it's not exactly the highest rated show in the world. But he was on it. All right. Coming up, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rogers is back from the dead and trolling the left on the whole transgender thing. Plus, it's already starting. The queen is dead, and so is the monarchy, according to some countries that used to love it. All that straight ahead. So before we get back to Mike Dindell, and by the way, coming up, we knew this was going to happen once the queen died. Uh, there in the UK, uh, we knew once the Queen died, all these other commonwealths, you know, you remember Jamaica and all these other people were coming out and they were going to start to uh, question the monarchy and start to seek reparations and more money and they're going to bend King Charles over. Well, it's already beginning and I'll tell you about that in a little bit. Seven o'clock hour, Mr. Rogers coming back from the dead to trigger the left on the whole issue of transgenderism. It's really a sight to behold. He had he knew what was coming down the pike even back uh, in the 70s. We'll get to uh, this one now with Jimmy Kimmel. So, well, first of all, I, I had my own experience with Mike Lindell's My Pillow because I used to advertise for them a while back. And this has nothing to do with Mike Lindell, but about the people who are running his marketing. And so I was selling them my pillows. I was on the air. I was back at 1380 at the time uh, and on the AM station. And I was doing the my pillow thing. And I, and, and, and it was I was 
selling them and they were they were doing well and it was a great great opportunity to do, make some money off of my pillow also uh and and then what happened is they start i knew people were buying the pillows i, I mean i knew that my advertising these pillows was strong because they'd hear back from people who purchased them but the marketing people were uh trying to tell because because these guys always try to kind of you know, get as much as they can out of the situation. So like, yeah, no, uh, sales are really slow. And so we, um, we, uh, you know, need to, we need some extra free ads because uh, sales are pretty slow. And so this isn't really working out as much as we maybe thought it was going to work out. So can you give us some free stuff, free airtime? You know what I mean? Like free ads. And we're like, oh yeah, sure. No, we'll give you some free ones just to kind of beef up the possibility, you know, so anyway, I'm thinking, no, I, I know I'm selling pillows. I, I mean, I know what's going on here. So what I did was every week they would change up the number. I know actually it was every two weeks. They'd change up the number or, or, the, or the offer. And so you like a buy one, get one free. And then they change it, you know, buy two, get one free or get free sheets or something with it. And so what I did purposely was I, uh, after two weeks, they gave us a new thing a new wrap, but I kept the old wrap just to see what would happen and to see whether they would actually complain because uh, and, and I, that way I could see how uh, many people called. So here's what happened. So it was a buy one, get one free, but that deal ended, and I was supposed to do a buy two, get one free or whatever. And so I still did the buy one, get one free purposely. And it didn't take but about three or four days that the marketing people contacted the sales office and said, hey, um, you guys are reading the wrong deal. Uh, and, and I was the only one reading the wrong deal. All the other people on the station were reading the new deal. I was the only one reading the old deal. So that's how I could tell that people actually were calling my pillow. And they gave it that. We've had like 15 people call and Ask for the buy one, get one free, and that's not happening anymore. I said, oh, okay, so you had 15 people call you, did you? So anyway, that's how I trapped them. And I don't think that's Mike Lindell's deal. I think it's just the marketing people. All right, Kimmel had Mike Lindell on clearly uh, knowing, first of all, uh, about Greg Gutfeld's numbers and Greg Gutfeld's killing the guy uh, in ratings. And Lindell is a, is a guy who has a ton of swagger in the conservative community, and so Kimmel knows, but Kimmel didn't want to have him on an even playing field, so he put him in this claw machine as a means of elevating himself over and objectifying Mike Lindell to try to humiliate him. And it didn't work, though, because Lindell came out, the audience loved him, and Lindell just killed it. So you said yes, so yeah. I, you know, I'm honoring that commitment that well, I made no, on the air. Great. 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 <laughs> so last week, Mike, you, uh, actually during the weekend, you, you ran for chairman of the Republican National Committee. This is the committee that uh, is kind of in charge of fundraising. It decides where the money goes. It's a very powerful group. Correct. And you seemed, by my count, very confident that you had a chance to win this thing. Let's look at the tape. I'm running for chairman of the RNC, and I plan on winning. And you know what? I plan on winning. I want to win that RNC chair. We're ahead in every single poll out there. I'm 100% all in, and when I go all in, I go all in to win. I just want to win, everybody. Not only am I going to win, but we're going to, it's going to change real fast. Are you confident that you can win? Yeah, absolutely. A lot of them are going, do you think you can win? Do you think you win? 
Of course I'm going to win. Mike, some of the polls show you winning this. Oh, yeah, yeah, they all do. Now, Mike, the poll actually did show you as the favorite, right? The Rasmussen poll. That's correct, yep. And then this happened. Mike Lindell received four votes. Harmeet Dillon received 51 votes. And Ronna McDaniel received 111 votes. Now, does this seem like an indication that maybe your barometer when it comes to voting is off? No, what it seems like, Jimmy, is that the RNC did, that their representatives didn't listen to the people of our country that wanted a change in the RNC leadership because I was the top of all the polls. I almost doubled both of them combined in the Rasmussen report, which came out last Thursday, the day before the vote. Yeah. So now the audience kind of like laughed about that, but the reality is, yeah, uh, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and and it was all an inside job anyway with the RNC. Wrestling. Know? Well, I'm being sued for one point three billion dollars, and I need some representation. So it's right. This right is a guy. The this, and then this so, is a guy who came out as a. Uh, as a guy who was pretending to be Mike Lindell, he was actually pretty good at it. And anytime you're really easily uh, mimicked, it means you're on to something. And Lindell is, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> Lindell was such a good sport, and it was a great appearance on his part. And as much as Jimmy Kimmel tried to objectify him and demean him, Lindell wound up owning, wound up owning that show. All right. Mr. Rogers back from the dead, and you're going to love it. Coming up. JTLJ FM, Columbia. Available everywhere on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. 104.9, The Patriot, and iHeart. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.